Today on The Girl Defined Show, we are talking about personal pronouns. Now, I was on Instagram the other day and this notification popped up asking me to insert my personal pronouns. That is something new on Instagram. I had never seen it. Um, and I noticed a lot of people are putting their personal pronouns on there and a lot of Christians, but I opted not to put my personal pronouns. And then over on our Girl Define account, we opted to not put our personal pronouns either. And I know for some of you, you're thinking, yeah, of course, why would you? And others are like, well, why not? You, however you define yourselves, just put that on there. Today, we are going to dig into this very controversial, but very relevant topic because we as Christians, we need to engage in this conversation. We need to think about, we need to think biblically about this. What is God's design? Why are we for or not for putting our personal pronouns on there? Let's have this conversation right now. What's up y'all? It's Bethany and Kristen here and we're just going to go for it and I guess (laughs) bye if this is the last time you ever hear from us on podcast. You will know why. You You will know know why why we disappeared. It was really interesting though. I've been, I listen to podcasts like every single day. I have like a whole list of them that I listen to. I Mm -hmm. love, I love to get, you know, my worldview, biblical worldview with Albert Muller. I love to listen to Ali Stuckey, Megan Kelly. Like, I don't know if I'm supposed to say all the podcasts I listen to on here, but here goes. (laughs) But I remember it was really interesting. I don't know if you heard the podcast. It was someone saying how they were talking about Demi Lovato and they were saying like, I don't want to use the pronouns that she shares, the they, them, because they're like that just grammatically and all over. It doesn't make any sense. But they were basically saying like they, I guess, YouTube and mm-hmm. I don't know, podcasts and everyone have basically made a statement like if you do not use the pronouns that people have declared for themselves, so if they say they are they, them, whatever, then we will literally take you off. And so on this live podcast, they were like, I don't want to do this. So they were just super strategic to just say her yeah. name a lot, like and Demi Lovato and Demi and Demi and Demi, rather than mm-hmm. saying the pronouns. And so it's really interesting because e- even as we are talking about this, um, it's kind of scary. Like, oh, wait, are we, tr- you know, like there's a real chance that you can like get taken down. Like, yeah. that's kind of weird, you know, yeah. over this topic. Like, what? Yeah. So why are we talking about it today? <laughs> because <laughs> we have to. Like, we have to talk about this. If we as Christian women aren't going to have a candid and open conversation, regardless of the risks, regardless of the potential um I don't know, like getting shut down, it can't getting canceled, then we where are we? Like we yeah, have yeah, to be able totally. to stand on truth. We have to be able to have these hard conversations. And like I said in the intro, when I saw that notification pop up on my Instagram, you know, I had mixed feelings at first. It was like, oh, like, is this a required field? At first I thought it was uh, required. Like you oh, had to put something in. Then I realized, oh, it's not required. It's optional. Okay. So I just kind of clicked off and didn't, you know, do anything with it in that moment. But then I, it kind of got me thinking like, well, really what would be the harm of putting in my, what I'm viewing as my God-given pronouns? Okay. I'm a female. I know God made me female. So, okay. If I put she, her, is that really a big deal? You know, kind of got me thinking a little yeah. bit on that track. And then it also at the same time, in that same moment, got me thinking on the other track that this idea of the she, her, him, he, they, them, whatever. I know I'm probably missing a lot because it just like they keep expanding and keep getting more confusing. I've heard of some really interesting ones where people are even referring to themselves as certain animals and stuff like as their pronouns. And so, you know, where is this going to end? But it really got me thinking Mm -hmm. that this truly is, it's a battlefront and not just something that we're against, but it's for us fighting for something that we are so for. And that is the truth of God's design. And even though this might seem like a small thing, and I have seen some Christians that I know and love, I have seen them put their pronouns on their Instagram. And, you know, I know, I know these people and I know they're probably just doing it like, yeah, I'm declaring who God made me to be. But at the end of the day, I think there's, I I don't know if that's the best idea because in some ways it's like we are affirming this idea that we can declare our personal pronouns. Like it's a normal thing to do. Yeah. I mean, I, it's really hard because I listen and, you know, read and, 
am in places where I feel like, okay, no, I understand that I don't have the authority to name myself, but I feel like, and you may as a listener be like, I am in school or in college or in a workplace where I feel like very isolated and very much a lot of pressure to start communicating and accepting this massive narrative that the the culture is pushing our way and I need some support. And so that's why we're talking about this because we know you need support. We need to be reminded of this truth and we want you to know like you're not alone. That's the entire purpose of growth. Divine Ministries is to link arms exactly where you are and say, hey, let's go towards Christ. Because if Christ and God's word isn't our truth, what do we have to stand on? Mm -hmm. And you know, it's interesting. We just wrote a book and it released recently called Not Part of the Plan, Trusting God with the Twists and Turns of Your Story. And even when you look out in culture and you're like, wow, this is a twist and turn. Like, I don't want to be a part of this or I I want, I don't want to have to raise kids in this world. Like that can be a twist and turn and it can make us fearful and afraid. And we need to learn to trust God. Is God bigger than this? Is there hope mm-hmm. for the future? Is there reason to not be filled with worry and, and anxiety? Like there's yeah. so much of that going around. If, if we don't have God, if we don't have hope, what do we have? And so we bring that to you. We bring those scriptures to you and unpack them in our new book, Not Part of the Plan, Trusting God with the Twists and Turns of Your Story, whether whether it's stuff in culture that's outside of your control, or maybe it's a family member where you're like, wow, they've taken a path. Um, you know, They've gotten caught up in all this gender stuff, or maybe it's you personally conflicted and you're like, I need some truth. I need to know that there is a God that is unchanging. I need to get to know his character. I need to learn how to surrender better because I'm really struggling to want to control and define myself. Not Part of the Plan, Trusting God with the twists and turns of your story is going to be so crucial for you in this journey. So you can grab it wherever books are sold. Um, you can grab the e version, the you know, paperback, whatever. You can go to girldefined.com slash trust, girldefined.com slash trust, or wherever books are sold. I really encourage you to grab that because I think it's foundational as we have this conversation. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So as we talk about this topic of personal pronouns, I am so glad you're joining us for this conversation. Please stick with us until the end. Um, and you know, even as we get started, you might be thinking, okay, like really, what's the big deal? Is this really important to address? So I think we should start there because unless you feel like this is a big deal and maybe you do, maybe you're like, yes, I feel like this is such a big deal. Thank you for talking about it. Or maybe you're like, well, yeah, like, I mean, I put my pronouns in. It's it's not really that big of a deal. Like we can support each other. We can like, I can live my life and they can live their life. It's fine. Um, So as we start this conversation, I think we should talk about like why it's a big mm. deal. And I think as Christians, it can be so easy because I fall into this too, where we lose sight of God's bigger purpose and intent for creating humans. Like we're just starting there. Like why in the world did God create Adam and Eve in Genesis? What was he doing? Is that important? Is that significant? Does it speak to something bigger? And so this question of, well, should we even care about personal pronouns? We as Christians have to go much deeper and say, okay, well, does God care about it? Does God care about Mm -hmm. male? Does God care about female? Does God care about gender? Does God care about sexuality? Does God have a plan and purpose in all of this? Is there something bigger that God is after? And if so, I need to care about it as a Christian woman too. I need to dig into this. I need to understand this. And as the two of us have grown in our understanding of God's design, as we've been forced to research through books that we've yeah. written where we felt very inadequate, like our the book that we wrote before, not part of the plan, um, actually before our devotional Shine Bright, oh, yeah. is a book called Sex, Purity, and the Longings of a Girl's Heart, Discovering the Beauty and Freedom of God-Defined Sexuality. And I am telling you right now, so honestly, I've said this before, 
I did not want to write this book. When we set out to start the conversation with our publisher on what this book was going to be about, Bethany and I both felt so passionate and so convicted, I would say, from the Lord that we needed to write a book on the topic of God-defined sexuality. But I'm telling you, my heels were dug in. I was like, I don't want to have to dig into one, the personal places of my own heart regarding sexuality, of the ways I've struggled, the ways I've sinned, the ways I've wrestled with lust. Like, I don't really want to have to be so transparent to the world about the deepest, darkest places of my heart. Um, And then secondly, like, this is such a controversial topic. I really don't want to write on something that's going to be so divisive. You know, that was, that was, those were my heels dug in. But as we walked this journey, God really, for me personally, helped me to see like transparency and openness, humility about our own struggles. Mm -hmm. That is what gives us a bridge to other people because we're all sinners, all in need of a savior. As we talk openly about our own struggles, it gives us opportunity to have those conversations with our sisters who are also struggling and to say, hey, let's link arms. Mm -hmm. Galatians 6, bear one another's burdens. We're in this together. Let's strive toward truth together, right? And then the other side is that as I saw more of this battlefront regarding sexuality, as I learned more in studying for this book about God's bigger plan for for sexuality, for gender, it's like my eyes kept getting opened wider and wider and wider until I was like, we cannot write on anything else. We have to write on this because this is a topic that personally, I feel like our entire understanding of God, of the gospel, the purpose for our entire lives, our existence, eternity, it hinges on so much of it hinges on us understanding gender and sexual identity properly from a biblical Mm -hmm. lens. So yes, personal pronouns, it is so important and we're going to get into why. (laughs) I mean, I think when I, this is Bethany now, like I think when I think about, okay, why do I want to talk about this? Why do I feel passionate Mm -hmm. about this? Why do I feel like it's worth it knowing we might, you know, there we go. (laughs) The end. Why do I want to do this? And I think that it's really hard because, you know, the Bible talks about like how we are ambassadors for Christ. We're here. This isn't our permanent, like this isn't our permanent existence in this state forever. Like one day, every knee will bow. One day we will realize like, wow, just like God created the perfect garden to walk with him, for him to be our king, our God, our father, like we will be in that place as his sons and daughters once again, but we're not there right now. And so it's really hard because the world is going to do the world. Like they're going to constantly be pushing and changing and, you know, we we live by a different standard, though. We live by a different truth. Um, we live by the truth, but we can't expect everyone else to. So you can't be like, okay, well, I understand. I'm not going to do my pronouns, but look at everyone else. It's like, no, we need to each look internally and say, okay, am I going to follow God? Am I going to seek to understand truth for myself? We can't force other people to change, but in your workplace, in your school, in your family, you can understand truth and you can start to learn and grow so that you can be a light, not for your own glory, but for God's glory. And this is a crucial area because gender, our even our physical design, our physical bodies, marriage, this matters so much. Why would God have created it? Why would he put it in scripture? Why would he create male and female if it didn't matter? And so as you see, come to understand the bigger picture for even gender and marriage and, you know, all of that today, I hope that it changes the way that you view this conversation about pronouns. Um, And I hope that it enables you to become a light, um, just like we talk all about in our devotional, shine bright so that you can glorify God in this area and not just go along with the flow. One of the biggest questions that I think all of us, every single one of us are asking, whether you are liberal, conservative, a Christian, an atheist, like regardless of where you land on your beliefs, I think every single one of us, because by God's design, I think we're asking this question, who am I? Right? And as Christian women, we have God's word. And so we ask that question, who am I? And if we're looking to God's word for the answer, we can see so clearly who we are according to God's design. And so we start to recognize, okay, 
the the deciding of who I am, Scripture clearly reveals that it's not left to me to decide who I am. is actually up to God to decide who I am. He informs me of who I am, and then I have a choice to make. I can either receive that identity that God has given me and walk in that, or I can reject that and make the choice to define myself, to answer that question, who am I, and go on a journey to try to discover that. Um, if you want to dig more into this particular topic about asking the question, who am I, specifically about identity, go check out episode 53 right here on the Girl Defined show. It was just a few episodes ago. Um, We dig into five biblical truths that define your identity. And that episode is one where if you are wrestling with maybe finding your identity in all sorts of other things, like maybe sports, your career, your season of life, maybe your failures, maybe your successes, maybe it's race, maybe it's gender, it's sexuality, whatever it is. If you're like, I know as a Christian, I am not really finding my identity in Christ, even though I say I am, I know I'm not in my heart. Go listen to that episode. You're going to be really encouraged by it. But back to that question. Who am I? I think that we all are asking that. And the answer has to come from somewhere, right? Like everybody wants to know who they are. We want to feel like we have a place of belonging. We want to feel like we have a sense of purpose. We have community. We have connection. And the place we go to find the answer to that question is ultimately going to be the thing that defines who we are, that we view as the authority for defining who we are. And whether we look to culture, whether we look inside our own hearts, our own minds, whether we look to our past experiences, our childhood, whether we look to God's word, whether we look to the people around us and say, like, who do you think I am? We take our cues from them. Where we go to find our identity, to find to find the answer to that question, who am I? That is going to be the thing that defines us. And now here's the scary thing. If we're finding our identity in things that shift and change, then over time, we are going to, at one point in time, maybe feel confident in who we are. Then as time goes on, that is going to completely change. And so as Christians, as we survey the landscape of our culture, as we are immersed in the narrative of the day, which is very, very much about defining ourselves, searching for our identity looking beyond or looking within, um, figuring out who we are, and then confidently declaring to the world saying, this is who I am, whether it's through personal pronouns, whether it's through some other means of saying, this is who, this is how I define myself. This is who I am. And you will refer to me as the same, right? This is who I am. And I'm telling you, I'm informing you as Christians, we see that, but we As Christians, we know that we did not create ourselves, that we are not here on accident, that our existence isn't random. We know there is a creator. There is a God in heaven. Our days are numbered. He knows the hairs on our head. He placed us on this planet at the exact time he did with the plan, with the purpose, and he is our definer. Mm -hmm. He is our creator. And as we jump back, I think, to the very first book in the entire Bible, the book of Genesis, which is easy to overlook, right? It's like, oh, Genesis, Adam and Eve, the sweet story of the garden. God made the world in six days, rested on the seventh. And it's like, blah, 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 blah. Like I've heard that since I was in Sunday school as a child, or maybe it's new to me, but yeah, it's just seems so basic. This is truly the book, like this chapter, Genesis 2, Genesis 1 and 2, really, I would say for the two of us, like as we dug into this, it kind of smacked us in the face in the best way of like, there is so much more truth packed into these first two books of the entire Bible that brings so much clarity, so much information, clears up so much confusion, gives us so many answers about this simple but profound question, who am I, that if we as Christians just took a pause and parked our chairs (laughs) at Genesis 1 and 2 and took it at face value and actually actually really listened and observed what God was doing and then received the truth that we are reading, it would be profoundly life-changing for us. Yeah. Well, and I just want to affirm, like, I know that there are people on here, like you, 
you know, maybe thinking like, well, I am a Christian and I know that I feel a certain way. I don't identify this way and I know God wouldn't make me this way if he didn't want me to live this out, like the whole idea of my truth and all of that. And we just want to say up front right now, like God is not a God of confusion. And I just want you to know, like, yes, those feelings may be strong and you may feel like it's not feelings. It's truly who I am. But we just want you to know like, okay, then let's go to God's word. What does God's word say? And as Tim Keller says so wisely, that your truest identity isn't achieved, it's received. So our hope right now is that as you're listening, even if you're struggling internally, that you would receive what God says, because I think that's the answer. That's the hope. That's Mm. the truth. It may not be what you want. It may not be how you feel. And it may be hard, but ultimately that's what's going to set you free because the truth sets us free. Mm -hmm. So- Get your eyes off of the culture. Get your eyes off of your own feelings, even if they're strong, and say, what does God's word inform? What does it teach me? Who does it say I am? And then go from there. That has to be your starting place. That has to be what changes you. That has to be what changes your feelings. That has to be what names you. You know, it's Christ. And so let's dig into Genesis. Let's dig into um, Ephesians, you know, probably. Ephesians. Like, let's look at some passages. Um, I think that the the starting place is in Genesis. Mm-hmm. Um, do you want to kick us off with that passage? Yeah. yeah. And I'm so glad, glad you brought that point up because I think we can feel like God in our feelings feel like he's unloving if what we feel isn't aligning with what we're seeing in scripture. But like you were just saying, we have to remember that God is is love. He is nothing other than love, but God is also truth. He's 100% truth and 100% love. And so if God is saying something in his word that conflicts with how we feel, and we're tempted to view God's character through the lens of our feelings and think, well, if God's saying that, he must not be a loving God. No, what we have to do is remember God is 100% love. God is 100% truth. And so if he's telling me this in scripture, even though it's contrary to what I feel, I have to take it at face value and trust and believe that God is telling me this because he loves me because he loves me he is telling me truth because like bethany said the truth is what will set you free god would not be a loving god if he told us lies that affirmed our feelings god would not be a loving god if he told us lies that affirmed our feelings god is a god of love and truth and he tells us the truth to affirm what is right and good so that we can walk in the light and not in darkness so that we can walk in truth and find freedom truly ultimately in our relationship with him and so yes that was such a good point and i think something that we have to remember and hold on to um so jumping into genesis 1 this is going to really be like a flyover because people have done entire like 12 yeah. studies on this i mean we wrote an entire book sex pretty in the longings of a girl's yes. heart help unpack this. So um, we have other, you know, like the, you know, go back to episodes, listen to episode, it's like 53 or 54. Go Mm -hmm. back and listen to our interview with Professor Piercy. Um, Just scroll through. We have, you know, this is our 55th episode. So we got a lot of stuff. So make sure to go back and listen to get caught up to this point. Yes. Yes. Okay. So Genesis 1, I'm going to start in verse, like, okay, I'm going to start in verse 26, just reading. And I want you, whatever you're doing, just do what you're doing, but try to listen and really soak up these words. And I want you to maybe in some erase your preconceived ideas or what you think you know about Genesis and try to receive the word with a fresh perspective of what was God up to. Like set your agenda aside, set your beliefs, your perspectives aside, and just try to receive the word. What was God doing here in Genesis? So just context before we get to verse 26, God just finished making the whole world. So I mean that alone, no biggie, biggie, six days created the entire world. And that alone should humble us. That alone should remind us before we even get to the creation of the man and the woman that we're talking about a God who makes 
the world. A God who creates every animal, every mountain, every stream, creates the rain, every part of physics and science and biology. God knew it all. He invented everything. So right now, as we dig into this, we should have the heart posture of Job, which is like in awe of God's incredible goodness and power and the creator of the world. We should be humbled as we approach the word. Who are we to tell God what to do? He just created the entire world, right? Okay, so now that we're all in our place, <laughs> let's check out verse 26. So after God created all the animals, the creeping things, um, and God saw that it was good, verse 26, it says, then God said, let us, so plural right there, talking about the Trinity, God, God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heaven and over the livestock, over all of the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. So here we see an amazing turn in Genesis where God just spent five days creating all sorts of things for the world. And then he says, let us make man in our image. And so what does this mean? This this idea that we as humans, as specifically male and female, as pointed out in scripture, very specifically, God is saying, I am making something different than animals. I'm making something different than trees. I'm making something different than the rain and the sky and the mountains. I am making humans that are unique and different than all other creatures because they are the only creatures that are made in my image after my likeness. And so here we see something very set apart. You know, we also live in a society where we're told that people and animals are kind of all the same and it's just a spectrum. But no, God created man and woman specifically to be created after his likeness in his image. And so that's amazing. That tells us profound things. And then in verse 27, God didn't just create beings, right? Like genderless beings where it's just like a human. Around. Yeah, <laughs> like just a genderless thing where it's, you know, all interchangeable. No, God specifically in verse 27 says, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. And so I think we could just stop there and we could camp the rest of the time on that, but we'll move forward. But I think that is a profound marker in scripture in the very first chapter of the entire Bible, where we see God having a blank slate. He He could have created anything he wanted. Imagine a black chalkboard. There's nothing on it. God could have done whatever he wanted. But what did he do? He chose in that moment to create a man, fully male, fully masculine, fully, you know, all testosterone, all of the chromosomes, like he's a man. And then he chose to create a female, a counterpart to the man, different, but equal in worth and value, but different. Yeah. And that's where we have to camp like, okay, God created two genders. Yeah. Uh huh. And I think that um, in our conversation with Professor Piercy that we had, you know, mm-hmm. several weeks ago, she has a book called Love Thy Body, Love Thy Body, which I strongly recommend reading. It's absolutely amazing. And I think exactly what we're getting to, the, you know, where did Adam come from? Where did Eve come from? Their physical bodies. I think as we get into that, the simple basics are so telling like exactly mm-hmm. what you're saying. Like, let's not fly over this and be like, okay, blah, blah, blah. Learn that in Sunday school. Forget that. I need something deeper. Like, like we said, God is not a God of confusion. He has given us such simple clarity. So as you look, you can say, what has God created me to be? Like, has he given me the body of a female? Okay. That is so telling. He made man, male and female. That is so telling of, of, you mm-hmm. know, my pronouns, you know, that's so telling of my identity. That's so telling of who what, I am, who I am and what I should 
live as, you know, and whether that goes along with how I feel or not, like God is a God of love and he did not make a mistake in making you Mm -hmm. and giving you the body of a woman. And that should tell you so much about internally who you are. So I think this is beautiful news. It's not discouraging. It's not depressing. This is wonderful. Um, or should we go into Genesis 2? Yeah. Or yeah I, well, I just, no. I'm, you're like the Bible reader, and I'm like the, yeah, I'm like, like the Bible some commentary. <laughs> yeah, I think that that is where I wanted to camp oh. for a few minutes is exactly where you are, is that that idea of that truth about male and female as we look at society, as we may wrestle in our own hearts with, you know, I, I was born with the body of a female, but I feel more like a male. We can not just take cues from our physical body, but we can take um, our identity truly from the physical body in so many ways because like professor Piercy said we want to split it so there's like a there's like your body and then there's like your personhood or what is your she mind call it? your mind and your body and yeah. almost like the body has been discarded as like yeah. an accessory like it doesn't matter it's just extra but who I think I am in my mind who I feel I am that is my true identity that is really who I am um, and if you're wrestling with that like we we get that that's so hard to be in that place and we're not diminishing that those struggles are very real for so many Um, That is a really hard place to be. But rather than looking to culture and saying, okay, well, I'm struggling with who I am, so I need to go discover that and figure it out. God's word is pointing to Genesis 1 and saying, you don't need to go figure it out. God has given you the body of a woman. You are a female. And within your female body, which speaks to so much of who you are, within that design, God has given you purpose as a female. He's given you instructions in his word as a female. He's given you a calling as a female. He's calling you to glorify him as a female. And even though you may not feel like that's right in this moment, or maybe someone you know and you're struggling with what to affirm, how to have this conversation, like that's a conversation for another day, truly. But you can confidently know that the body, the physical body is not separate from your identity. It is intertwined. It is a foundational part of who you are because in the beginning, God created male and female. And every person created since then, God has had a purpose and a plan for. And so as the two of us stand here today in the bodies of females, that is not insignificant significant to us. That is massive to Mm -hmm. us. That is an identifier for us. That is informing us. That is God telling us he created us to be female on purpose and for Mm -hmm. a good purpose. It's super interesting in our book, Sex, Purity, and the Longings of a Girl's Heart, which if you haven't read, please read it. If you are someone who is in a position to be able to mentor someone younger than you, please Mm -hmm. go through this book with them together. If you are a parent that listens to our podcast and you have a daughter, like I cannot urge you enough to go through this book. We have study questions um, and we say everything for you so you don't have to feel awkward. Like, I don't want to ask that question, but this is crucial for this moment. Um, And so as we're talking about the fact that sexual identity is a God-assigned reality, as Mm -hmm. we see just in this very first place in scripture, um, I know we unpacked that more also. I think you had a conversation with Rosaria Butterfield. That episode was amazing. We'll link all of these episodes that directly relate to this topic below so you can find them. But in our book, Sex, Purity, and the Longings of a Girl's Heart, we share the story about Jackie Hill Perry, which you may have heard of her book, um, Gay Girl, Good God. And we share her whole story. And I'll just, you know, we're not going to unpack that. It. But yes, she grew up feeling feelings of attraction towards women, was in a lesbian relationship, um, ultimately came face to face with the gospel, and it absolutely transformed her. And she allowed the simple truths of the gospel, the simple truths of Genesis to change her life and to say, hey, like this should inform who I am. And it's really interesting because basically— this is what happened. Um, we say in our book, as Jackie Hill Perry came face to face with the gospel, she was confronted with a challenging and personal question. And this is what I want you to ask yourself, mm-hmm. okay? This is the question. Who has the authority to decide one's identity? Is it me or is it God? And really interesting, in an article 
Um, titled Genitalia Are Not Destiny But Are They Design, John Piper actually poses these questions. Is gender set by a preference of the individual or by a providence of God? Or to put it another way, is my sex determined by my decision in my mind or by God's design in my nature? Those are such telling questions. And I think when we look to society to answer those hot button questions, we're passionately told to fulfill our own desires. We're told to follow our hearts and be true to ourselves. And Christopher Asmus, a pastor who has a testimony similar to Jackie Hill Perry's, he says, the overarching sexual ethic of our day is, I feel, therefore I am. He says that, I feel, therefore I am. Human autonomy reigns supreme, he says. Although this sounds somewhat compelling and freeing, it leaves no room for God. This ideology actually leads us to find our identity in our sexual desires rather than in Christ. This is like literally exactly what we're talking about, y'all. Our feelings and inner longings become the gods in our lives. Mm -hmm. As a result, we end up labeling ourselves with identities God never gave to us. And I know like feelings and desires can be tricky things though. Like, of course, going against something that feels so right can often seem so counterintuitive. And so I just like, as we are facing all of this, it's like, it really comes down to that. Like, okay, our feelings or God's design in our nature, like it tells so much and it's so freeing. As Jackie Hill Perry found freedom, as Rosaria Butterfield, Mm -hmm. she was also in a lesbian relationship as she found freedom, as Christopher Asmus found freedom. Mm -hmm. There's so much freedom that can be found. And it doesn't mean like, oh, well, I'm automatically going to feel a a different way or I'm going to, okay, that means I have to be in a relationship with a man. Like, no, it doesn't mean that your life may look exactly like every other Christian, but it does mean that you will have freedom to embrace the body that God gave you. It means you will have freedom to know as a woman, I should not be in a relationship with another woman. I should not be in a lesbian relationship. I know I don't have to identify as they, them. I don't, I I shouldn't identify as a he, him because God's word has made it Mm -hmm. so clear. That's where there's Mm -hmm. such freedom found. But yeah. sin makes it hard, you know. Yeah. <laughs> well, and that's the thing is Genesis 1 and 2, it's before sin entered the world, right? Yeah. So we're seeing this beautiful picture of God creating humanity, clearing up so much of the confusion that that humanity has wrestled with from the beginning of time since sin entered the world in Genesis 3. But really in Genesis 1 and 2, we see a zoomed, I would say it's like a bird's eye view in Genesis 1, and then God zooms in in Genesis 2 to really show us more specific details of his creation of the man and the woman, which I think is really amazing. Something else we can brush over because we read it in Genesis 1, which which is what I was reading from before. But then when you flip over to Genesis 2, you see this zoomed in picture where God's like, okay, you got the big picture, right, of what I did here with the man and the woman, but I'm going to zoom in and give you some details. I'm going to give you some details of the order of how I created things. And as you read Genesis 2, which I encourage you to do on your own, after you listen to this, maybe your next quiet time, just camp in Genesis 1 and 2 and ask the Lord to show you what he was doing, truths from his word that maybe you've never really seen, you've never really soaked in before. And as you, so I'm not going to read all of Genesis 2 for the sake of time, but as you look in Genesis 2, you see this more detailed picture of the man and the woman, you have this question answered of, okay, I am created specifically by God with a specific gender. By God's design, in Genesis, there are only two genders. There aren't three, there aren't five, there aren't a hundred. As as gender identity becomes something where there is all sorts of options available to us now to identify as, we see in God's word, there are only two. God's word makes it plain and clear. It's not complicated. Yes, it may feel complicated, but according to God's word, it's not complicated. It's very straightforward. There is a male and there is a female 
by God's design. And before we get stuck on just thinking, okay, great, well, I I see my design as a woman. I want to embrace that. We can get stuck on us Mm -hmm. and thinking that it's about us and thinking about that our gender, which so much of our society's narrative, it's all about who you are and your life and your whole purpose and your everything, your worth. It's all centered on you. And God doesn't leave us there. He says, this is my design, but it's for a bigger purpose. Your design as a female isn't random. It's not an accident because it's pointing to something much bigger. Male, you too, men, something much bigger is going on here. And as we see in Genesis 2, we get a glimpse of this, that Adam created, uh, sorry, God created Adam first. So that's very interesting. He created the man. And before the woman was ever on the scene, God was giving the man jobs, responsibilities, roles, right? He's like, he created him outside of the garden, brought Adam into the garden. That's very interesting. Said, this is your home. He brought all the animals to Adam. Adam is working. Adam is um, learning how to be a good caregiver. I mean, literally he's given instructions by God that he's not, he's like, okay, great. I got it. But Adam doesn't know what's about to happen. He doesn't know a woman's about to hit the scene. So Adam's doing all of this with God, walking with God, receiving jobs and instructions from God. And then after all of that, as God is preparing Adam, um, as many commentators think, preparing Adam to be the husband, provider, the leader, the, the caregiver, the lover for his wife that he would need to be, God was preparing him for that. Then after God, I guess, feels like Adam is ready. I'm not sure. I wasn't there. We see in Genesis 2 that God creates the woman from the man. So interesting. Y'all know the story took a rib out of Adam, formed the woman from the man, and then in verse 23, chapter 2, Adam literally declares, this at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. And I can only imagine Adam's excitement after naming all the animals and he's seeing like male, female, male, female, male. Hi, Mr. Mrs. Giraffe. Oh, hi, Mr. Mrs. Elephant, monkey. All right. Everyone seems to have a pair but me. So I'm sure he was taking note of that. And then that verse in 23, I think is a beautiful declaration of Adam saying, at last, there is someone who is my partner, someone who is my companion, um, someone who is like me, for me. I mean, that must have been such a beautiful moment in the garden. Like, ah, I just, I wish I could have seen it. Um, so then in 24, God says, therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother. So there we see again, gender, father and mother. Very clearly, God is already defining what a family is, what marriage is. In Genesis 2, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to who? Hold fast to his wife. So again, a picture of marriage, a man and a woman in a family with a father and mother. There's so much in this one little verse that we we need to pay attention to and say, God is teaching us. He is informing us here. Verse 25, and the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. And then it goes into chapter three, where sin enters the world and everything gets confused and distorted and polluted. And um, that's where we are today, still wrestling with this sin and our own sinful struggles and tendencies. But as we zoom ahead, and I mean, you can probably jump into this, like the idea that God created man and woman, we see in Genesis 2, for marriage. Mm -hmm. He created them to be coming from a family, which is so interesting that he said that, and Adam and Eve were the first humans. And he's like, God was setting us up for future patterns of a man leaving his father and mother, right? Male and female, holding fast to his wife, and the two becoming one flesh. What does that mean? Sexual intimacy. Mm -hmm. So already we see so much going on here. Well, and I just want to say, just because God created marriage doesn't mean that every person will get married. Um, And, you know, sometimes 
that like these this is the norm, but it's not always the like it's not always going to happen. So like mm-hmm. I didn't get married until I was thirty. Did that mean I wasn't fulfilling God's plan and purpose of glorifying Him and living for Him? No, but it also didn't mean that I looked down on or you know was like oh well then that's a bad design. I don't like that because it's not happening for me or chose to rebel against it. I celebrated it. I am I am I rejoiced in it for others and I promoted it even if it wasn't the exact season mm-hmm. that I was in. Um, and I think it's exactly like you said, Kristen that. When we are humble um, and we pray for humility um, and we seek to be authentic image bearers and we say, God, this is about you and telling the true story of what you have created and it becomes and who you are, it becomes a lot easier. Um, we actually um, really unpack this idea of a marriage and all of what that truly reflects in our book, Love Defined. So if you're wanting to take a deep dive, go there. Um, but marriage, think about it. As lovely as it is, it is only a picture of something greater. Okay, so get this. Marriage is an earthly representation of something much grander. God placed the institution of marriage on the wall of this world as a representation of the gospel. Ephesians 5, 31 through 32 says, Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. God's greatest purpose for creating marriage isn't about you. It's not about me. It's not about just what it does to us, Mm -hmm. but it's to show the world an earthly representation of Christ's covenant, what Christ's covenant relationship looks like with his church. Christ is the groom and the church is his bride. And so ultimately that is just like a super big flyover, but ultimately marriage, it's not about us. Yes, God is so gracious to give us Mm -hmm. pleasure and companionship and joy and offspring and all of these things that can come from marriage. But ultimately marriage is about something so much greater and it's ultimately a reflection of the gospel. We don't have time to dig a deep dive into that right now. But when you start to look and you start to unpack what's missing when we start to try to redefine things on our own, we see how we are literally like, I guess, destroying the very nature of what God created. We're destroying the fact that this is all ultimately supposed to point to Him. This isn't about us. And I think that's Mm -hmm. when we, you know, when we start to define ourselves and we try to name ourselves, it becomes about us. And ultimately, we weren't created with the capacity to find joy and to find happiness and to find identity within ourselves. So it's a never-ending road. And that's why it's always changing. Pronouns, identity, you always are on, it's a journey Mm -hmm. because there's not an ultimate answer. it's not like, okay, I finally, I got my she, her, or I got my they, them, or my him, him, her, him, what? I can't even keep up. And, and I've arrived. I'm finally fully happy. Mm-hmm. No. You know, oftentimes it just brings more confusion, more struggle. There may be happiness for a moment. But y'all, this is also new. I mean, I don't even know the long-term damaging effects, especially with all of these, you know, surgeries when it comes to even like ultimately like transitioning our bodies. We, we're not down the road. Like we don't even know the harm that this is doing long-term, but we know it's not for our best when it completely rejects our creator. Um, so this is a topic to take very, very seriously. Don't take this lightly. I know it's hard when there are people we know and love or ourselves mm-hmm. are going through something, but that's why you have to equip your mind with truth. And the worst thing that we can do is to just be like, well, there our hands up in the air and be like, oh, well, you know, the best thing we can do is to dig into truth, to be a voice of truth in a loving way mm-hmm. and to not give in and and be afraid because we might get canceled or we might be, you know, like removed from someone's life. Truth with love and just, you know, equipping ourselves so we can, we can speak in a way that yeah. is, I guess, like makes sense and is biblically based. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's crucial in this conversation. Yeah. And as we kind of circle back to our initial 
the initial topic, I guess, of this whole chat, which is the idea of pronouns. Like, as Christians, should we embrace it? Should we not? I hope it's becoming more clear. Like, it's not just about, oh, yes or no, but it's so much more. It's about fighting for God's original intended design by creating us as male or female on purpose for the bigger picture of pointing back to him and glorifying him. And something so beautiful that we see in scripture is this idea of a covenant. It's not a word we use in our everyday language, right? I'm not talking about like, oh, my covenant with God or whatever, but God uses this idea of a covenant. And what is a covenant? It's essentially a promise so strong that it cannot be broken. In our modern day and age, we think of things more as contractual agreements, right? We think about a marriage as kind of like a contract, but God is saying there's something so much bigger at play. He created marriage to be an earthly, like Bethany said, an earthly reflection of this covenant love that a covenant-keeping God has with his children. And we see this picture of covenant throughout the Old Testament of God making covenant with the children of Israel and saying, basically, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I am making a promise so strong to you that it will not be broken. And that same covenant, that idea of covenant, God placed in the institution of marriage and is saying that marriage between a man and a woman, each one representing a different aspect of God and the church right? The man representing God, the woman representing the church. Marriage isn't just a contract. It's not just a get married to be happy, get married to fulfill some some desire in your life. It's like, no, marriage is a covenant that you're entering into and saying this, this earthly institution defined and designed by God is meant to point back to the covenant keeping love that God has with his people, with his children. A, a marriage should be so strong that it should be like a covenant, a promise that can never be broken. And that is just something that we lose sight of. We don't realize, especially when we're getting male and female confused and gender. It's like when we start to see there has to be one man and one woman in a marriage, first of all, to portray the picture of Christ and his church accurately. Without a male and a female, we do not have an accurate picture of Christ in the church. That's the first starting place. We get that accurate picture, and then we see marriage is that covenant designed to point us back to the covenant-keeping love of our Heavenly Father. As Tim Challey says, it's so beautiful. He says, marriage is not a man-made institution primarily for man's benefit, but rather a God-made institution primarily for God's glory. And that's why defining marriage according to God's terms is so crucially important because it displays an accurate picture of who God is and what the gospel means. When two people unite um, of the same gender, two men or two women, or these days we're seeing three, four, I mean, the options are really Mm -hmm. becoming endless. What's happening is that they are not that institution. It's not truly marriage as defined by God. It's not telling an accurate picture of who God is. And so not only do we get confused personally as we look on like, okay, what is this earthly picture? It's it's not telling an accurate picture of God. So then we get confused about who God is. And then that's when it spirals really downhill. And even as believers, we start to question everything about God and his character and the Bible and what's what and who's who. And so starting with that foundation of Genesis 1 and 2, building on that into marriage between a man and a woman, building on that into a covenant love, and then ultimately recognizing that sexual intimacy is not something that God placed outside of marriage, but within marriage as an additional way to affirm his covenant love Mm -hmm. with his people to say, I love you so much that the same sort of intimacy you have in your covenant marriage is the same sort of relational and spiritual intimacy I want to have with my children. That's what that points to as well. So nothing's random. I know this is such a fast flyover. Nothing's random. It's all intentional. Gender matters. What God created you to be is 
is informed and and is is integrated into your physical body and then we as as people have to decide are we going to look to our creator to f- figure out mm-hmm. our pronouns or are we going to look to ourselves and we we want to challenge everyone every single one of you who's listening to say i want to be a woman who goes to god's word mm-hmm. remember the god who created the entire world in 6 days the one who designed me is the one who defines me and i'm going to start with that foundation and i'm going to build from there on the truth of god's word and as we do that yeah. we will be freed up to one not be entrapped in sin and lies and confusion which is what the enemy wants he wants to kill steal and destroy every human that is his goal and god wants to bring freedom and truth um and wholeness into our lives and we can only find that as we conquer sin by the power of the cross as we look to god for our identity and walk in the truth of his Mm -hmm. word as we wrap up i just want to make it clear that like happiness is not the goal here right Um, because you might be like well i know two men who are in a relationship and they seem very happy like we all have the capacity to enjoy happiness and to have nice things in life and to even even relational satisfaction yeah and relational satisfaction but even sin can be pleasurable at times you know but that's not the point isn't like okay i'm trying to find the the thing in god's word that will make me the happiest and that i feel like oh yes i wake up and this is what i want like our desires are distorted all of that is just that's not the point the point of life is to do god's will and glorify him i mean Mm -hmm. if jesus came for personal happiness he wouldn't have died on the cross but he said i came to do the will of my father i came to serve and not be served i came to glorify god and fulfill his purpose for me that sister has to be your goal it can't be like well i know i would be really happy with another woman that may be true you may feel like really in this moment in this season i feel feel really happy but ultimately what's your heart is your heart to live for god is your heart to do the will of your father he's put it in his word he's made it so clear so you have to ask yourself am i out to get my own happiness temporal and to do things my way or am i out to live according to God's design and to glorify him and to just like all of those amazing, um, what do you call them, analogies or like marriage is oh, a metaphors, metaphors. Yeah. like am I here to reflect the gospel and to point others to him or am I just about what makes me feel good in this moment and in five years am I changing I'm after that now like no so I want mm-hmm. you to humble yourself I want us to humble ourselves and to say God change my heart so that your will serving you living for you would be mm-hmm. the most important thing about me happiness is not the most important thing I mean missionaries for crying out loud that get like martyred and stuff like they have yeah. the perspective the eternal perspective mm-hmm. that making Jesus' name known and pointing others to him is the most important thing. Yeah, so, and like Jesus himself said, not my will, yeah, yeah, but exactly. yours be done. And he was God saying that to God yeah. the Father. Like, wow. There's so much more we can unpack. We're just going to have to land this plane real quick. <laughs> but like I said, I'll link all of the mm-hmm. other episodes below with um, Rosaria Butterfield, Professor Piercy, um, Dr. Julie Slattery. Um, I'll link Sex, Purity, and the Longings of a Girl's Heart. I'll link um, Not Part of the Plan so that you can find all of this. But sister, if you have appreciated this conversation and and you're like, we don't want you to get canceled. We wanted you to have conversations yes. like this that are risky, that are kind of like, ah, you know, might, I don't know, just might be difficult. Please leave us a five-star review if you're able. If you liked it for five stars, leave a five-star review. If you're like, it was only three or four for me, fine. Leave a three or four. Give us what you got. But it really helps to spread this. And other young women and women who are like, I need this truth, but don't know about the Girl Defined mm-hmm. Show podcast, please leave a review so that they can find it as well. All right, we're going to wrap this up and we will see you next week.